Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Well, praise the Lord again. Thank you for being with us today. We're continuing our study, our series of studies on Old Testament prophets. And I hope you've been enjoying this as much as I have. The Hebrew word for prophet is nabi, N-A-B-I. And it literally means to bubble forth or to utter or to speak. So technically, anyone who is a spokesman may be called a prophet. They may not fulfill that office of a prophet or position of prophet, but that if we utter forth truth, then we're a prophet. And today we will look at the life and ministry of Abraham. Now, I almost omitted Abraham because uh, I've been talking so much about Abraham lately. It seems like every week he's involved in our uh, study. But I really felt compelled to speak about Abraham, a faith that was tested. A faith that was tested. John Maxwell, a great leadership teacher, a number of years ago, he coined a word or a phrase. says, faith that has not been tested can't be trusted. Faith that has not been tested can't be trusted. And since that time, many have quoted it. I've quoted that. Uh, James Davis quoted it. Maybe you've quoted it. And I know that there are some people that take offense at that phrase because there are some people that have been convinced that if they have enough faith, we do not have to face difficult times. Brother Brown, I haven't found that to be true. We just, their idea is we just breeze through. If we got faith, everything is good. But the fact is not only are many people tested, they're tested by God. I said they're tested by God. Now, let's clear up something. The difference between temptation and testing. In my opinion, and I know my opinion won't even buy you a cup of coffee unless it's out here. They'll let you have one. But anywhere else, don't go by my opinion and say my pastor's opinion. That won't buy you a cup of coffee. But it's my opinion that temptation and testing is very similar to the aspect of condemnation and conviction. Two different things that are parallel to each other. See, James, the other, the earthly brother of Jesus may have put it best. Let's turn to the book of James. We're going to be looking at him quite a bit today. But let's turn in James chapter 1. James chapter 1, where he talks about testing. James chapter 1, begin reading at verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. It says very plainly that God does not tempt us. That temptation comes from either self or Satan. I said, temptation comes from either self or Satan. So let's look at the difference here between temptation and testing. 
One is evil, and testing is to prove that you've passed something. Testing is, is to, for your benefit. Same thing with condemnation and conviction. Jesus said in John chapter 3, he said, He did not come to the world to condemn the world, but the world was condemned already. Did you know that you can be a good guy, but you're still condemned? If you're born into this world, we're under condemnation. There's only way, one way to overcome that condemnation, and that's through the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. See, conviction, and this really frustrates me because a lot of Christians give the idea, they quote that verse, well, there's no condemnation in Christ. That's exactly true, but there is conviction in Christ. Now, what's the difference? The difference is, now, um, I'm trying to figure out a way to put this. I recall what my dad used to say. My, my dad used to say, if somebody was at the bottom of the totem pole, if they were bottom, if they were the, the scum of the earth, he just used the word, they're just sorry. If my dad said you were sorry, you were sorry. Now, now, has anybody, you grow up with that kind of idea? That was the word. They didn't have to curse. They didn't have to put in. If you were sorry, you were sorry. That was as bad as it got. You were sorry. What's the difference between condemnation and conviction? Condemnation says you're sorry. You were born sorry. You'll always be sorry. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Conviction says, yes, you were sorry. But God has the ability to change you. God has the ability to forgive you and change you from being sorry to be a lighthouse in the community. Amen. That's because of conviction. And the same thing for is for testing and for temptation. It says there that God does not tempt anyone. Why? Because temptation is to encourage you to do something wrong. I said temptation is to encourage you to do something wrong. God doesn't play that game. He tests you to see if you're ready to go to the next level. He tests you just like in school that you would find out if you're able to advance in learning. So that's what testing is. Now, James said, God is not tempted. But let's go back to chapter 1 of James, back up a few verses to verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. In other words, when you get tested, count it joy. How many of you ever went to school? How many of you went in the days you were going to get a test and you just bubbling over and said, I'm getting tested today? I don't believe it. No, because you didn't know if you were ready or not. How many of you was in the military and you were going to face a physical fitness test? And you knew that you were going to go against that sergeant that was going to give you down the river. And you just said, man, I'm so glad I'm getting tested today. No. But you had to go through tests to find out if you were ready to go to the next level. And so he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So let me just say this right now. That if you are going through a test by God, it's for your benefit. And he's got more faith in you than you do. Amen. Hey, y'all can write that down. That's worth saving. God has more faith in you than you do. Amen. 
Because he's testing you to see if you can go to the what? Next level. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Then drop down to verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial or under the test. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Isn't that what Paul was talking about? He said, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I finished what? My test. I finished. And there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Drop down to verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. In other words, our God is steadfast. Our God is faithful. Our God knows what's going on. And he says that every good gift you come down. Now, when God lets you go through a test, a lot of times he's not like some of these solicitors on the phone. Have I got a deal for you? You know, I, I get that. I got one of those emails this week that I, I've been left a bunch of money. Have any of you had those? God doesn't play that game. When he has a test, it's for your benefit. Now, let me go ahead and pause right here because some of you are feeling hurt. Some of you have said that I've been reading your mail and that I know you were going through a test. Can I tell you that we've, many of us have been going through tests? It's been tough. I've got three funerals to do this week and one the following week. I think I'm going to put a moratorium on no more funerals. But we realize that there's a lot of people hurting. A lot of people going through tests, not temptations. You say, wait a minute, Pastor, I'm going through temptation. Well, that's your fault. Test is when God allows you to be tested. So let's, let's clear this up that we know that we're going through test. But God, all the good things that you receive comes from God. I said all the good things comes from God. And so we need to understand when we start talking about tempted. When we're tempted, that's to test, to ask us to do something, what? wrong. To be tested is to see if we're going up to the next level. There's a major difference. And I know some of you say, well, I don't want to be tested. Well, guess what? You're not going to go to the next level. You're not going to graduate kindergarten until you can color between the lines, until you know a little bit of the alphabet, until you know your requirements that you have to meet. Those are tests. And the teacher has to say, they've got that meet those minimum requirements. And God's not going to promote you in the kingdom until you are tested and pass the test. Now, not tempted. That doesn't come from God. We have to pass the test to go to the next level. Now, we're going to come back to the book of James a little later. But let's go over to book uh, Isaiah chapter 28. Just read one verse. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. Behold, therefore, says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone. Who's that stone? Jesus Christ. Look what it says. A T 
tested stone. Jesus was tested. A tested stone. A precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. We need to understand that, that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. Remember that? He was led in the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, but also to be tested by God. The Spirit led him to prove that he was greater than the temptation. Now, what's the temptation? On the surface, they looked they were good. See, Satan tempts us the same way. He makes things that look pretty good. He told Jesus, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. He was hungry. He said, if you be the son of God, you can turn these stones into bread. How many knows that sounds good? But Jesus was determined to pass the test that he was not going to be a savior that used his power for his own benefit. He was not going to do that. So he was tempted by Satan. He was tested by God. He passed all the temptations, and I'm glad he passed the test as well. Amen. He was a tried, a tested stone. Now let's go back to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 17. By faith... Abraham, when he was tested, wait a minute, I think I jumped the gun here. Yes, go back to verse 9, not there, verse 9, chapter 11, verse 9. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land. Who's he talking about? Talking about Abraham. Living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city whose foundation, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the AIDS, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Now, did you catch that? It says that Abraham went out by faith, following God's instructions. What a man of faith. A man left home, left his family other than his immediate family, to go someplace he'd never been, to go someplace he didn't know where he was going to. But he left in obedience. But did you know those things were not what was counted to him for righteousness? He was obedient to God, but what was counted to him for righteousness? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 22. And we find that Abraham not only had a test, he passed the test. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham... 
And he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains to which I shall tell you. Man, he said, I want you to take your son, the one that I promised to you, the one that I said through him, the whole earth was going to be blessed. Through him, the Messiah was going to be born. Through him was the lineage of God. And take him and offer him as a burnt offering. Now, I know some of you say, man, that sounds like a temptation. No. It was a test. Let's read on. So Abraham rose early in the morning saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. Now his son Isaac by this time was a young teenager, maybe a little older, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose and went to the place in which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. He was speaking by faith. He said, we're going and we're coming back. He knew what the test was. He didn't understand what the results is going to be. He just knew that he was going to take the test. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took it in his hand, the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here, I am my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went of them, both of them together. Now we could spend a lot of time talking about the symbolism here. We could talk about the fact that Moriah was the same place out near the, where the sacrifices were made near Calvary. The temple was going to be built there. We know all those things. There was so much symbolism. But let's not forget the fact that there was also a test being given. A test that was bigger than any test you and I probably will ever face. Can you say praise the Lord? It was a, a test, but he had faith. He said, God will provide for himself the offering. So when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Get that picture. I can almost see Abraham with a knife in his hand. His son willingly to be tied on that altar because a teenage boy wasn't going to let a man that's hundred and something years old tie him down unless he wanted to. The look of horror and fear on his son's face. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know. Now, how many knows that God knows all things? 
So this was not to prove to him. It was proved to us. Because God knew Abraham was going to pass the test. Now that's an amazing thing. Because if I understand scripture right, God's never going to give you a test that you can't pass. How many knows we fail them a lot of times though? But it's not because they're too hard. It's because we don't make the right choices. We say it's tough. And the more responsibility, more leadership, more gifting you have, guess what? Chances are your tests are going to be harder. A lot of people say, I don't want to test. If you don't want to test, you'll probably never have any responsibility. Because a faith that's not tested is what? Can't be trusted. God wanted to prove not just to Abraham, but to us years later that not only could God be trusted, Abraham passed the test. I know that you fear God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold him, behind him was a ram, caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. We know that as Jehovah, Jireh, our God is a provider. He provided. He's a, he, Jesus passed the test. But thank God Abraham passed the test. If not, the Bible would have had to been totally rewritten. You're right. It would have had to been totally rewritten because everything hinged on Abraham passing the test. The Lord will provide. As it is said to that day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Wow, what a test. What a test. And I know our feeble minds sometimes can't understand it. But it was not a temptation because God doesn't tempt us. You say, wait a minute, he was going to kill him. But that's not the end of the story. Abraham had such faith. To believe that even if he'd have sunk that knife into his son, that God was going to honor his word. That God was going to live up to his word. Now that is faith. That is faith when we trust God enough to know even when the circumstances tell us different. Even when the doctor's report is negative. Even when everything else is negative, we can trust and believe God because God's word is true. Now let's go back to the book of Hebrews. I started reading the wrong verses earlier, but in Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, this time we'll read at verse 17. By faith, when he was what? Tested. By faith, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. Did you catch that? He was in the act. He repeated that. Of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring named. He considered, now that word considered, that's the same Greek word that we get the, um, the words that we will understand. 
that we will know, that we will comprehend. It's the words that we get the word logic and logistics from. Now you say, that wasn't logic. It was for Abraham. Because he knew that he served a God that could not lie. And when he was faced with the test, he believed that God would provide. Now let's go back and read. We, we stopped a little early. He received the promise, was in the act of offering up his own son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Now, I tell you what, Abraham had such faith that he said, even if I kill him, God's going to let me and my son go back to those guys. Because he said that through him, the nations would be blessed. Amen. He passed that test. He passed that test overwhelmingly. And it says that, let's go now to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Oh, this is so rich. So rich. Chapter 2, verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Now let's understand something right off. James in no way is indicating we're saved by works. He was just saying that when we're tested, when we're tested, we're either going to pass the test or flunk the test. And the only way we know if we pass it is by our what? Our works. By Abraham's willingness to offer his son, he passed the test. Goes on to say, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Now, who was writing this? This was Jesus, uh, earthly brother James, who was not a believer early on. We really don't know exactly when they became believers. It might have been at the resurrection. I mean, that's enough to get your attention, right? But they were not believers. And he said, but even demons believe that there's a God. And shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his what? Works. He passed the test. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now did he, was it counted to him for righteousness when he left on his own and just was obedient to God? No, his righteousness was perceived when he passed the test. You know, it got quiet at an 8 o'clock service, same spot. <laughs> See, none of us like to get tested. But Abraham was tested. 
and it was counted to him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. But in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as a body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now I will repeat it again. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by our faith. Our works make our faith credible. Isn't that what God said about Abraham? Now I know. Now I know that you have faith. Now he knew it already. But again, he wanted to prove to Abraham. He wanted to prove to each one of us. Now why do you have a test? To see if you're ready for the next level. To see if you're ready for the next level. Now, I'll tell you what. Some of us have been failing kindergarten a long time. I kind of feel like the one preacher says, I don't mind giving a bottle to a baby, but I don't like to push his beard out of the way to do it. James had a test. Or Abraham had a test. And... Faith not tested can't be trusted. Now, I know some of you still, still haven't bought into this. Let's go over to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, while if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, what am I saying? One of the reasons I did not want to do this message today, because I know a lot of you are being tested. Many people are being tested. But chances are, none of you have been tested as strongly as Abraham has. And we think we've been tested by some of the things we've been going through. And yes, I cry the blues like I've already told you that I've been going through a lot of stress, a lot of difficulties, a lot of tests. And you have too. But the beautiful thing is when we pass that test, guess what? You get another one. Huh? You're going to get another one. If you keep growing in the Lord, you're going to get another test. Now, if you're satisfied and say, well, I just want to stay here in kindergarten, your test won't be very hard. But God can't depend on you to do a whole lot. But as we go through the trials, as we go through the test, as we pass them, God gives us victory and prepares us for the next test. 
I may have said this already, and if I have, forgive me. I know I said it in the first service. I might have said it here. But God has more confidence in you than you have in yourself. I said, God has more confidence in you than you have in yourself. You say, why would you say that? If he didn't, he would not let you take that test. But he keeps thinking. He keeps saying, one of these days, that old boy is going to overcome that. He's going to pass that test. He's going to do it. Because I've got faith in him. See, sometimes God has more faith in us than we have in him. So we have these tests. And I think we all understand in the natural, the greater the achievement, the greater the test. I have utmost confidence in Gator. If I want somebody to pray for me, I would ask for Gator. But if I needed brain surgery, and I had a choice to go between somebody that operated on hundreds of people, and I asked Gator, I said, Gator, what qualification do you have? He said, I've skinned out a lot of deer. <laughs> now, who do you think I'm going to take? I'm going to take the one that's passed the test. I'm going to, I'm going to pat, call the one that passed the test. A number of years ago, when somebody was talking about, well, you know, we got to vote for the Christian. And I understand that. I believe we need to vote our convictions. But the reality is, if I'm going to fly from here to California and I got a choice to choose between a Christian pilot or somebody that's done it before, I'm going to use the one that's done it before. Boy, that really went over. Huh? We need to understand that we're going to go through tests. And the greater level of confidence God has in you, the tougher the test may be. Now, I know some of you say, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm ready to just take a, a break. I'm ready to ease into it. And I tell you what, I, I, I know where you're coming from. I'm ready to ease up too. But the reality is life goes on. Come on. And chances are, Chances are there's not a person in this building that had to go through as tough a test as those Christians in Afghanistan last week. Amen. Some of them had to face a test. To choose life or death. And many of them, thank God, passed the test. You say, I don't know if I'd want that. Well, let's read a couple more verses. Let's go to verse 10 of First Peter. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person of time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicated when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. In other words, the test that Christ would have to take and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. 
Folks, the greatest recognition that we'll ever receive is not our name and lights. It will not be to have a doctorate degree or master's degree. And I know I, I told him in the early service this morning, I, I started to get my master's, but I couldn't fill out the application, so I quit. But those are not the greatest things. Brother Bob, to hear those words, well done, that good and faithful servant. You passed the ultimate test. You passed the ultimate test. And in the words of Paul, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. How many things Paul had a lot of tests? They were not temptations. I'm sure he had a lot of temptations. But it could be refreshing to you if you realize what you're going through may not be a temptation from the enemy or a temptation from self. It could be a test from the Spirit of Almighty God. And he says, I believe you can pass it. I believe that God's going to bring back to your remembrance those promises that the Scriptures told us. And I've got utmost confidence that you are going to pass the test. And I know even as I say that, there's some of you that are here today say, but Pastor, I fail so many times. It wasn't a test. We, we failed in temptation. But I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting me to share with you He's not going to, I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to have any more tests. I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to face more temptation because you're still in your body. But I'm telling you that our God, that chief cornerstone was tested. And he came out victorious. And because he's victorious, you and I can be victorious as well. Bow your heads in prayer with me. Holy Spirit, help the truth of this message be impacted upon people's hearts today. Minister by your power. Speak to people. Bring encouragement. Bring anointing. Bring healing. Bring restoration. Whatever is needed, we ask you to minister by your power and by your strength. With every head bowed, never eye closed. The biggest test we'll ever, ever take is the test if we're going to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The only, only unforgivable sin is refuse to accept Jesus to free, refuse to acknowledge the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if you're here today, I urge you, I beg you, don't fail that test because that's the test that means the greatest. And then for the rest of you,
for all of us. We don't know what the future holds and I believe there's going to be a lot of testing in the days ahead. Whether that be prophetically said or just my feelings. But I believe God's got confidence in you. He's got confidence in me. And I'll have to tell you sometimes I wonder why does he still have confidence in me? I messed up so much. But he has confidence in you. That you'll pass the test. You'll pass the test. If you're here today, before we go any further, if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart and your life, but you'd like to today, that's the greatest decision that you ever make. That's the biggest test you're going to have. Unless you just lift up your hand, then you put it back down. I want to pray with you before we leave today. I want to pray for you. Okay, I see this hand. Is there someone else? Someone else? How many of you believers would say, Pastor, I'm going through a test. I'm going through some difficult, difficult tests, and I need God's victory. I need God's strength. Would you lift your hand up? We want to pray with you. Yes. Yes. And I know there's at least one that said, Pastor, we want you to pray for us today for our physical ailment. So we want to pray with you. Pray for you. And we're going to sing that course, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And those of you that raised your hand for salvation, I'd encourage you to make your way to the front. And if you need a touch in your body and need prayer for it, I know we may be asking for a lot of people to come, but we believe that God is wanting to minister and touch people's hearts and lives today. So let's be obedient to this Holy Spirit. Father, we ask you to minister the next few minutes as we receive you, as we honor you by your presence and asking you, Lord, to give us strength to face tomorrow that we can pass the test that we're going through. And God, we give you praise, give you honor, and give you glory. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.